Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hello and welcome back to the No Ratings Podcast. It's that time again. It's a Tuesday. It's early morning. Maybe you're on a tube going somewhere. You need good vibes. You came to the right place. If you listen on Spotify or any other podcast platform, make sure you like, follow, etc., etc. There is a reason. There's a Bollywood superstar's name in the title. I want to get to that straight away. Um, just before I do, at the time of recording, there is a rumor that Maurizio Pochettino might get sacked. If he does join the podcast, we'll discuss it. Uh, he wasn't on the agenda to talk about, which is kind of strange, actually. It's very rare we get a Chelsea fan on. We actually have one. Uh, so maybe we do talk about Pochettino. But there's only one place to start. Uh, Davina's with us. Davina, you have just had the best day in the world, and it's not even Tottenham-related. Uh, please, tell us what happened. So, I think my life might have peaked today. Because <laughs> um, the two things that I'm obsessed with, Bollywood and football collided to give me the perfect Sunday I could have ever asked for. So, let's give you some backstory. Um, the Premier League India like team reached out to me and they were like, oh, we want to do this like fan feature on you being a British Indian female who's like a bit crazy over football. How did you come to support the team, our all teams, Tottenham? And like, what does it mean to you to be able to go to the games every week and yeah, just support the club? So they came to my house, they did some filming. Um, me, my dad and my brother, we went to the ground, we did some filming outside of the ground. We were just doing some um, shots outside the ground and I get a tap on my shoulder and I was like, I don't know who that is. It might have been my dad just messing around. And then taps my shoulder again and I turn around and I scream the whole of Tottenham High Road down because who do I see none other than Ranveer Singh and he's one of my I'd say like top three Bollywood actors for me like all of his films when his film Rocky Orani Kibram Khani came out in in the summer literally day after me and my entire family went and watched it um, yeah, I'm I'm a little bit obsessed with him, and to see him outside of the Spurs ground, just like hi, Davina. He knew my name. How does how does Ranveer Singh know my name? And yeah, that was unreal. We we're talking about like just football in general, talking about like where I'm from in India. We spoke a little bit about cricket as well. What what an experience. I'm just I'm I'm still sh- like shaken. I. I Literally gave my dad my hand and I was like, pinch me because this is not real long. <laughs> <laughs> um, just because I'm super curious and I'm guessing everyone listening is as well. Um, what was he actually? What was he actually like? He is like the epitome of the last character he played. Like in the film Rocky Randhava, Khan, he he plays a character Rocky Randhava, and he's like super eccentric, wears really loud clothes. He was wearing a mustard yellow coat in rainy, rainy Tottenham, and that is a bold fashion choice, and there's no other person that I can think of that can pull that off, with that flair, he was wearing, like, yellow-tinted sunglasses, what a guy, he is such a lovely down-to-earth person, um, there was no, like, I'm this Bollywood actor, and I've come to surprise, or one of my fans, it was more like a, a friend-friend conversation, 
and like really bantery, super like lighthearted and genuinely interested in everything that I had to say. So, wow. Meet your heroes, guys. Hey. <laughs> you are so gassed. It's so, it's so, so cute. Yeah, it's you can tell. Cute. I'm um, so gassed. Does he know ball? Does he like you said you had a chat about football? I yeah. want to know if he actually knows ball. Um, I do think so. I do think. I mean, he's an Arsenal fan, so my my judgment is slightly tainted. But um, he was talking to me about like what do you think is going to happen in the game today? And I said I think, well, I said it was going to be like two two or like quite a close game, um, because it was like the the battle of the injured teams, and um. Yeah, he was talking to he, he knew ball and he was talking to me about the last time we played Newcastle, obviously, which I was I was there for when we lost six one. So I I do think he knows ball. I think he knows ball. So he's keeping tabs basically. Or, he's keeping like, tabs. You can tell, yeah. Yeah. Hey, we were just saying before we started, um, and you haven't heard his voice yet, but he's gonna chime in because this is definitely his domain. We were just speaking about LeBron James and his affiliation <laughs> to football, and uh, Samit as well, who's a Chelsea fan. Um, you were basically saying that LeBron's he's a waffler. He's a yeah, waffler. and the thing is, so I'm I'm from Miami, so LeBron played for my team, the Heat, for four years, right? So I've gotten like you know first first hand experience of how much this guy lies. Um, <laughs> the, I just a little thing. His best one, his best lie he's ever told is uh, about the Godfather. If you have ever seen that clip, there's a guy who uh, at a press conference who asks him, "What's your favorite scene from the Godfather?" Clearly, he's never seen any of the movies. And he keeps saying, like, yeah. oh, I think, you know, they're so hard to pick one. This one's good. This one's good. <laughs> and they're like, just name one. And he just can't name one. He keeps going. Um, but, yeah, LeBron is is a character. You could do a whole episode just on LeBron. So maybe we'll leave that for <laughs> another time. I'm pretty sure at the end of that interview, just to, like, uh, answer the question at the end, he's like, I just love all of it. And yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what a guy the conversation came about because we were chatting about his clip with jordan Hen- oh no sorry it was about jordan henderson yeah he just asked about him and uh he's just basically like oh, what what a moment right scored for england scored for in the same week man the when that ball at the net i was so happy for him right <laughs> i was like what are you saying bro hearing <laughs> hearing your american accent is quite funny i'm not gonna lie <laughs> I, was gonna say, I didn't i didn't even want to try it because i knew i would have been so oh, bad man. Yeah, yeah. Wait, wait. So we saying we'd rate in the accent or not? I think it's I think it's better than a lot of like. I think British actors do American accents very well, but the average British person just does like a country accent, like a southern, <laughs> you know. Whereas yours is like actually like kind of just not southern, like a normal accent. So hey, pretty good. Those. Pretty good. Yeah. We take those. That's a win. Um, final question about Ranveer before we move on. And by the mm. way, the, part of the reason why we're having this conversation is we actually have a very big Indian audience. So. Uh, Thank you for those that are listening. I'm definitely tapping into this because we also have two Indians on the pod. Um, <laughs> Ishan, I'm, are you Indian? No, Bengali. Oh, okay, well, yeah. hey, listen, we've got the whole of Asia in the pod. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Um, just a, one last question on Ranveer. Um, obviously, you watched all his films. Obviously, you like know probably more about him than he than he probably thinks, I'm yeah. guessing. Um, yeah. You text me saying like you were tearing up. Yeah. Um, did you have a little cry? I did. Cry. There's actually a picture of me, like literally after he'd surprised me, and um, yeah, I had tears in my eyes. I was wiping with my tears, like gotta get on with the show, guys. That's very sweet. Someone said to me, um, they did a shoot with him recently, and I, honestly, I'm not trying to dig him out because I actually do love the guy. Mm. And Loki, I'm jelly that you got to meet him. Um, he's very high on my bucket list of people that I'd want to do uh, a content piece with or something. Um, I forgot what I was going to ask. My brain just started going, oh, for every single no ratings, it'd go off. Um, no, I was going to say, someone said to me that he did a shoot a few days ago and he had like someone hold an umbrella for him mm-hmm. um, and it wasn't raining that day. Did he have someone hold an umbrella for him today? No, he didn't. Mental, he but he gives um... me high maintenance vibes. It's, it's quite cool. <laughs> what, what, makes you th- what makes you say that? I don't know. I feel like, because he cares a lot about like his hair, his look. Like his beard was well kept. Yeah, like, like groomed. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to see him like disheveled. So he is always going to look like ten out of ten. So I can't. I wouldn't yeah. even put it past him to have someone holding his umbrella. But he didn't today. Uh, just while we're on the topic, and I'm guessing for me and Sean, you listen to the pod. Um, are we all in agreement that Renview seems quite a pen guy? He's a good looking guy. Yeah, yeah, I'll say so. Yeah, yeah, I'll say so. <laughs> I'm glad there's collective yeah. collective appreciation for yeah. another man. 
Is that is that unpopular to say that he's good looking? I was uh, gonna say I think, no. I think it's not. vastly unpopular in British culture to say other men are good looking, yeah, especially yeah. South Asian. People, people like, want to tiptoe around it and like they don't want to huh. say too much without you know ruining their image. But it's whatever. Interesting. That's not a yeah. thing here. I just <laughs> man's yeah. good looking. I'll say it. I don't care. Really? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care. Man. Yeah. Hey, it's time for me to shift to Miami because I'm walking <laughs> around every day going, "Hey, he's good looking. <laughs> he's, good, <laughs> he's, yeah, he's good looking." Yeah. yeah. Um. All right. Uh, that's no more embracing talk. Let's talk about <laughs> football. Um. So, we've uh, potentially got a new series segment on our hands here. We're calling it "Bring Your Agenda." Um. So, just putting it out there early on. If you're listening, you're going. This is a terrible shout, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. The idea is to bring something to the table that you potentially believe in. Uh, Smeet, it's your debut. Plus, you're from the states. Plus, we've only spoken a handful of times. I'm going to let you start. Um, what is your agenda? Yeah, so this one, I, I we were talking about a little bit earlier whether or not we'll have debate. I, I think this one will stir up quite some debate. Um, my my agenda is that I think Chelsea are relatively speaking in a better position going forward than pe- most people think. I think it's not as bad as people say, although results are very bad. And the reason I say that is because yes. We've lost a lot of games and points are very thin and we, you know, are depressed most weeks as fans. However, there's never been a team that's been as bad as us that has as much young talent going forward as we currently do. I think what our problem is, is that we rushed sort of the rebuilding project and we tried to do it all in two windows when it probably should have been done over four. Um, But I think that we've bought more good players than bad ones it's just we didn't prioritize experience and we prioritize you know young talent that under 23 under 24 policy that was sort of reported um in the summer um but overall we are in a good position because we've bought a lot of young players that with time will likely get better that's my you know unpopular agenda sort of opinion i'm excited to hear what you guys have to say about that <laughs> okay I, I somewhat agree with what you're saying. Okay. I just, when when you say you look promising, to, to what degree are we talking? Are we saying like in a couple of years, you're going to be challenging for a title? Because the way I see it, last year, obviously you finished, you finished where, you, 12th, right? Yeah. 12th in the league. You're, cur- you're currently not doing any better than you were last last season. And we were, we had all of this last season, by the way. At the end of last season, we were hearing, uh, obviously, um, summer transfer window, you spent loads. You spent so much. You brought in Caicedo, you brought in Lavia, brought in and Kunku, all of these people, right? And these are people that were, I was told, were going to improve your team. You're going to be pushing for top four this season, you know, Champions League football. You're going to go back to that. Clearly, we're not seeing that. And like you said, the results aren't showing. But my issue is um, you guys seem to pick and choose what days you want to really perform as well and also show that you can... Um, if even if the results aren't going your way, at least the performances are. Like for example, the Brentford game is a good example of when you played good football and you ended up losing the game. It was when um, obviously Sanchez came out um, and then they scored the open goal at the end. Those those sort of games, I agree with you. I see there's like um, there's a pattern here, and yeah, Chelsea might be doing something. But then you look at like the United game, for example, that we just saw, and obviously the Everton game that just um, went by, and I'm not really seeing anything consistent enough to say that there is something bright in the future for Chelsea. I feel like um, a lot of the time it's just it's up and down performances. We don't know who um, your starting eleven is going to be um, week in, week out. There's a couple players that stand out to me that are good, but there's way too many that just aren't good enough, for, in my opinion. Yeah, so I, I agree mostly with your points. What you said, the first part is true, is that like the Brentford game, like the, um, you could argue the Arsenal game at home where we the better side and we drop points. I would say the beginning of the season, up until, say, mid-November, performances were really good, but the results just weren't there. The last two, three games, today and the United game, and those games are where you're exactly right, where performances haven't been good, and it all sort of looks like it's falling apart. My only thing is, at the beginning of the season, when we were playing well, we had a lot of injuries in the squad, and I felt as a fan that when we got those players back, that should performances keep up the same, you know, if, if players like Lavia come back and Nkunku and Chukwameka come back, you know, I expect performances to get better. Nkunku is one that a lot of people don't know. He was signed when Thomas Tuchel was still manager. 
we've gone through three managers yeah. and he's never kicked a ball for it, us. It was was it the January transfer window where you no, where you he technically was, brought him in. So technically, yeah, but he was signed yeah. in September of 2022. Okay. So it's been it'll be 18 months, you know, almost since he's when he will kick a ball for us. So that sort of getting off topic there, but but injuries are the reason I think a lot of Chelsea fans were sort of like, oh, things will get better, things will get better. Right now we're not showing that with a lot of our squad back. So that is, you know, a point in your favor, shall I say. But again, going back, my main thing is that to me, it just seems unfathomable that this many young players who are coming from a history of playing well at their previous clubs will come together and in two, three years won't be good. I just feel players like Cole Palmer, like Lavia, like Enzo, Reese James, if he can stay fit, like Colwell, Badia Shiel, um, uh, Mudrick even, you could throw him in there if he you know, got proper coaching and all that sort of stuff. I just feel like there's too much talent there that in the long run, they won't turn out pretty good. Now, you know, with Pochettino, if he gets sacked, if he stays, whatever, whoever we bring in, it looks a little, you know, rough road, bumpy, that sort of thing. I just feel that we are in a position. And look, maybe some of it is just blind optimism. You know, it's easier to pretend that we're, things are going to go yeah. well. I'm sure that plays a part of it, you know. But deep down, I do believe that there are good players in this team. It's just if you go into a season without a reliable number nine, you're not going to steal games where, where, you, where you win but games you shouldn't I, win. I agree with what you're saying. It's just the way I see it, right? So I, I, I agree with you on the fact that like when it comes to talented players, I don't like to think that they just join a club and all of a sudden their ability just disappears. Because mm-hmm. obviously that's not the case. Players like Cole Palmer, Mudrick, uh, Enzo, especially with Enzo, these players, they have ability in their locker. I think a lot of the reason why you might be underperforming this season, especially, is because you've gotten into a bit of a losing habit. And a lot of the time, um, especially because you're not in Europe anymore, people like to see it as a good thing. They're like, oh, we're not in Europe anymore. It's only one game a week. It should be sustainable. We should get in performances. But the way I see it is when you're losing so consistently and it's a week in between each loss, you're going into training as a loser. You've got no uh, time. You've got no opportunity in midweek to like prove yourself. And I feel like the, the dressing room is sort of just like miserable now. Like the way I saw United last season is they would go into games and they would look miserable. And that's sort of what I'm seeing with Chelsea now as well is like you're going into games and you look quite mis- like the, the players look miserable. They don't look like they want to play football. None of them look like they're enjoying themselves either. I'll tell you what, that's that's a really good point. Actually, it's not something I considered because I am part of that camp that sort of says, you know, Europe, you no know, Europe is one game a week, you know, Less, less injuries, less or more time between games, tactics, all that sort of yeah. stuff. So that is a really good point. And that is something that's been a problem at Chelsea for a long time. I would say since JT left the club that um, when we ever, whenever we went on a little run of games, we were losing games, that sort of mentality sort of just looms over the whole club. And we sort of go into our own shell. And over the past year, that's happened a lot for us, where I feel we are going into games thinking we can't win this. We'd be lucky to escape with a point. And I just feel like a, a club of Chelsea's size should not be going into games thinking, oh, we'd be lucky to get a draw here. Like, away at, we'll, we'll be, you know, away at Wolves in a few weeks. Most fans would take a draw. And I feel like that is not the mentality you should have as, you know, a, a club of, of Chelsea's uh, stature. Um, so that is a good point that, that you brought up, that there is a losing mentality in the club. That will, in, in my opinion, go away either once you know, a, a manager comes in that instills that belief in the players. I thought that would be Pochettino. Could be wrong about that, depending on how things pan out. So are you, still, are you still Poch in? Are you still back in Poch? Or yeah. do you want a new manager to come in now? I, I am just because I've never been in my whole life as a, as a sports fan, whatever the sport may be, I've never been a sack the coach guy, sack the manager guy, just because I feel That's like it's... crazy, an, by the way. As a Chelsea fan, not being a sat the coach guy, it, absolutely no it is it is very crazy, and I've just I just feel like it's an easy fix to say because it's hard to get rid of ten players. It's easy to fire one coach and say that was a problem, and I think at Chelsea it's worked out. You could say over twenty years we've won more trophies than anyone else, but had we not sacked certain managers, we probably could have won more. If we had not sacked Ancelotti, probably could have won more. If we didn't sack Jose the first time, and we didn't give arguably the most talented squad in our history to Avram Grant. I think we could have probably won more trophies. Um, so, yeah, I, I've never been that. So I will give him – we have a nice run of fixtures coming up, four or five games. I will. I would give him that that five games. You know, I, s- see I what you can do. 
very quickly say your point. Your initial point was about the players and the fact that there's so much talent in the squad. And uh, I hate debate you out here, but I'm going to. Okay, <laughs> go for it. These are your these are your tweets. Our players' brains when they enter the final <laughs> third. It's a dog taking a piss. <laughs> no, I will say. I will say. No, no, no. Okay, that's a good point. However, can we really take people's live tweets during a match seriously? I can't hey, be the only nah, one. It's, it's, heat, it's heat of the moment. I can't it's be the, the only one who Listen, said I've said stuff. some really bad things about Liverpool players mid-game. I looked back at after, I was like, I was so wrong. Mid-game like, tweets can't be taken seriously. Why don't, you, why don't you delete them? Post-game, delete the tweets. The impressions, man. The impressions. <laughs> impressions, exactly. The impressions. <laughs> We've got bag-chasing Asians is what we do. Um, <laughs> have you had any thoughts on uh, Samit, what's like your general point is that Chelsea are in a better place than people then, than most right? people think I'm not saying we're in a great spot I, I think there are a lot of concerns my only thing is I think a lot of people think we're doomed for seven eight ten years because we signed these guys to long contracts I just don't think that's the case I think we're in a better spot it's just certain things haven't fallen away with injuries and we've gotten I think we've missed the mark on two straight managerial appointments and that's sort of holding us back but the actual squad of players we've assembled, in my opinion, is better than most people think. I would say that's sort of the overarching point. I have a question. Do you do you think that Poch actually has something in his mind of like a vision or a project that he's working towards? I think it's 50-50 where he's saying... I, I think the ownership realized that the last uh, manager, Potter, was just sort of saying the wrong things in the media. So I think a lot of the stuff Poch says is... He's been told to say, like, hey, you need to push this project. I think some of it, he must have some belief. I don't think he would sign on to a club. There has to be some sort of backing as a human being to say, I'm just going to sign on. I don't believe in this project, whatever this is at all. But I just want a three-year salary and I'm joining. I don't think that would be the case. What if he's just chasing the bag? That Look, yeah, that could he... be a very real possibility. <laughs> I just, you know, you probably know him better than I do as a as a Spurs fan, do you think that's something say, he would do? Poch with, Poch with Spurs, um, there was a project made there and he did really well. Obviously, Spurs under Poch was one of the best Spurs teams we've seen. Yeah. And then even when you go back to Southampton as well, Southampton, he was a really good manager there. He did really well with the players. Mm-hmm. I thought that's why, I thought like that's why they brought him in is I've... because he was so good at developing young talent that surely that's part of the project was the manager. And the only issue I have with Poch is just he won't be the person to bring you over the line. He's just there as a foundation layer. This is something I, not to interrupt, this is something I said when we first hired him. I, he was not number one on my list. I will say, like, I always thought Ponch is someone to take you from A to B, to get you out of a rut, to bring you to a solid team. Mm-hmm. He can bring you from A to B very well. B to C, which is getting over the line, winning big trophies, competing for leagues every year. I don't think Pochettino is that guy. When we first hired him, you know, not to get too off topic from my original point, I thought that he was going to be here for two, three years, sort of help this squad of talented players, which I believe is talented, just get back to fourth, fifth, sixth, which is still pretty embarrassing for a club of Chelsea size, but to get back to challenging for the top four. And then after a few years, a new manager would come in to bring him from you know B to C. That's sort of what we did under Roman the first few years, where Ranieri was there actually the first year, and he took us to the Champions League semifinals, and we finished, I believe, third in the league, or fourth. And then Mourinho came in, and brought his boys in, and then we raced away with the league 95 points. I think this squad, 95 points is a lot, I think this squad is capable of doing way better things in the future. It's just, I feel we've made some key mistakes so far under ownership that have sort of held us back. Um, But Pochettino is sort of a different, you know, like I said, I'll give him this run of games. After that, we may need to reassess things. We'll see. See, the thing, the issue I have with that is, Pochettino is a manager who needs bags and bags of time. And that's something that Chelsea as a club can't give him. And like, I think about like, obviously you had, you've you've got a new manager, Tottenham also have a new manager. And if we're thinking about like a project, um, I think looking at Tottenham's performances and obviously having the, the run of bad performances, I feel like we're in a situation where we we can ignore the results and still be like, there's a project. Whereas for you guys, I have no idea what kind of direction that you're going in. I feel like Poch, what he did at Southampton, what he did at Tottenham, he did that with very few resources and overachieved. Whereas with Chelsea, he's got a lot of resources and he's kind of lost. Like he doesn't know what on earth to do with what he's been given slash what he's chosen. 
I think, yeah, that, that is certainly a good point. And that is something that a lot of Chelsea fans have sort of touched on is that with the resources we've spent, you know, yes, Pochettino is a, is a coach that deserves time and needs time. But with the resources we've spent, is this the best that we can, you know, hope for is 10th, 9th, 8th, whatever it is, 11th today after Fulham, you know, had that big win. Um, it is something that concerns me as a fan that, you know, he needs time and we're not a club that gives time. But I think I've, I've always liked Pochettino as a manager. I've always thought he's one of the better ones in the world. I don't think he's Pep or Klopp. I think he's just below that that uh, tier of managers, you know, if, if I had to rank him. Um, but again, I, I think he's, like that should that should have been your agenda. I, 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 I think he's two. I think he's two bars below. No, no, no. Klopp. I'm sorry. I, let me be clear. I mean, like, not not now. I mean, like, it, I've always thought of him as that. Like. 16, oh, 17, okay. 17, 18, like when yeah, he was yeah. in his prime at Spurs. Sorry, that was probably a, a crazy thing to say out loud like that. Um, but yeah, I think he's he's shown that if you give him a young squad, he can do well. It's just the young squad he had at Tottenham was Kane for, uh, you know, free or pretty much, you know, or like Deli Ali was a cheap player. Son was cheap from Bayer Leverkusen. Southampton was the same thing. He didn't have the expectations that he has now. And at a club like Chelsea, you just don't always get the time. Um, with a young squad. And this is the first time we've sort of had that young squad. It's just we spent so much money that expectations will come. Um, so again, I mean, we'll see what happens. I just, I, I think if you give them time, this squad is talented enough to get out of this rut. It's just, we'll take a lot of hard work. So that's sort of my spiel on that. But I don't hate it. I think it's quite a reasonable, we won't even call it an agenda. I've got a theory. It's more of a, a theory and an idea. Okay. Um, don't hate it though. Uh, Ishan, what have you got for us? Okay, cool. Well, I want to talk about a certain man, and that man's name is Virgil van Dijk. And I'm talking about him. So, the way people like to describe van Dijk this season is someone who's who looks like a good centre back again or one of the best in the league. And everyone keeps tiptoeing around the idea that he might be coming back to his best. I feel like I disagree with the statement because I feel like not only is he just the best centre back in the world now. I feel like he is back to prime Van Dyke. Like we're seeing someone who we haven't seen since 1819. Like the guy who finished second in the Ballon d'Or. I think we're seeing that version of Virgil Van Dyke again, where he's quite clearly the best centre back in the, in the world by a, a distance. I, w- I don't want to hear names like Saliba, Rajo, Rudiger, um, especially Ruben Diaz. I do not want to hear those names. I think it's Van Dyke, and then you go levels below to anyone else. It's clear, and I think even from his game in 1819, um, in those seasons where you thought he was at his prime, I think there's levels to his game that he's actually evolved on now, post-ACL injury. For example, but we spoke about Van Dijk as someone who never wanted to go in for a tackle, but was always good at like shielding the um, attacker. Whereas this season, we're seeing now he's not afraid. Uh, we saw it in, um, we've seen it internationally, we've seen it in the league. He will put in a sliding tackle. He will challenge. Uh, he will like. He, 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 he makes it more of a dogfight now than he did before and he's, he doesn't look afraid anymore. And that yard of pace that he lost, he's gained that back. I remember I saw him in, against Elanga, who's probably one of the quickest players in our league, and he was going toe-to-toe with him for an entire game. Aerially, he's been incredible. His stats are through the roof. When you watch him play, it feels like him, Alisson and Salah are like the main reason why we're sat currently at the top of the league. And I feel like people don't want to say what's actually on their mind, that he's actually back to his best, if not better now. Hey, I'm a Liverpool fan. I have my thoughts, but I, I will um, add my thoughts in uh, once. Yeah, I can I can jump in here. Um, I, I, I So your point is saying you're back to his 18-19 level, is that what you're saying? Yeah, I'm saying he's back to his prime, if not even better. Okay, I would say he's... I would not say he's even better because I think that eighteen nineteen version had, I hate this word, but he had that aura to him that just, <laughs> and people were scared to, they were actually scared to face him up one v one. He looked invincible. He really did. He really did. I, th- I think that's what adds to his resume now is that because of last season, mm-hmm. wingers are actually trying to challenge him now. And like, they're looking at him thinking, I could probably get past him. And he's showing them now that they can't touch him. Whereas in those seasons, wingers didn't even want to try him. They just went down the Matip route or the Gomez route back then. Whereas now he's being challenged and he's coming out of every challenge on top. 
I, I hear your point. I would say he's just below that level. But I, I do like that that you brought it up because I do think he's been a bit underrated this season. I think Liverpool fans have seen how good he's been. I don't think the media or, or the average fan has caught on to the level that he's back to now. In my opinion, he is the I would say he's the best Premier League center back ever. The only reason I would put Terry ahead of him in the rankings is because Terry won like he just had the longevity over him. If we're looking at a career, I would put Terry over him. But best, like like talent wise, I would say Van Dyke is the best ever. This is the thing with um with longevity as well. Obviously, people people don't want to put uh, longevity on his name. They say that's the thing that hinders him from being one of the best centre backs of all time in the Premier League. But this guy's been doing it for a while now, you know. Like, yeah. Uh, and people say post injury he hasn't been good. That season straight after the injury, he was fine. Like that was a season where we went for the uh, quadruple charge. I'm pretty sure. And it was only last season where he's had one bad season for like the last seven years now we're talking. Yeah. I, so I, at what point do you think he now actually has a longevity to his, longevity to his name? That's what I was going to say. I saw Terry, in my, not to, again, get really off the original point. Terry won Premier League titles 10 years apart and played every minute in both. 2005, 2015. So that's like Van Dyke winning it in 2029, you know, and playing every minute. So again... That's a different point. I will say, I, I actually, I don't think this is a, a, a hot take that you have. I think Van Dyke is back to his best. So, I mean, I, I have to agree there. I, Divina, if you disagree, feel free, but I, okay, I like I that agree. take. I agree because 2018-19 Van Dyke is, I like you guys said, the best defender I've seen in the Premier League. And I think he's not back to that level. I think about 90%, almost there. And the only reason why you think this is a hot take is because people still have like, the recent memory of the kind of blips that he had last season and as the season progresses and as he keeps putting out like 10 out of 10 performances this season people will again start to clock on like the media other other club supporters will clock on to be like yeah he's getting back to that level but I don't think that level just yet 90%. Can I ask you like why you don't think just yet he's back to that level because I don't see it I feel like we're seeing perfection now I will say, I think it's because you watch more games, you watch more Liverpool games than I do. The games I've seen, look, if you're watching him every week and he's putting in 10, 10 out of 10 every week, obviously you're going to think he's the best, right? I can't say I watch Liverpool every week. So the few games I see in my head, I'm like, when does he more? Because I've not seen as many games as you've seen. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like if, I, like if we play at the same time, I'm not watching your game. So like I'm just not going to see like, you know, that performance. So I think that's where the general fan is maybe a little bit behind. Whereas you guys as Liverpool fans are like, you see him every week and you see him putting in these performances, right? So that's my my opinion on it anyway. I think in his peak season, he was genuinely perfect. Like it was so yeah. good. And yeah, like I think because it was, what, four four years ago nearly? I think it's almost like hard to remember that every week he, he'd play, like regardless of who was playing up front or who's playing out wide, they actually didn't have a chance against Van Dyke. Like on a genuine level, like you're like, whatever happens, um, Van Dyke's going to win the battle. Like Edin Dzeko is a, it's a terrible example. It's the one that sits in my head in, against Inter Milan. Edin Dzeko goes in on goal. Van Dyke's like five yards behind him. Dzeko actually just gives up. Like he just, he doesn't, he basically just gets the ball and just gets shoved out of the way. Um, I think I agree with you that uh, he's now got more of an aggressive style of defending, which makes him, um, I wouldn't say more elite, but adds another... Um, it's another aspect to his game now. Yeah, I guess, yeah. yeah. Potentially adds another aspect to his game. But I think what made him so wonderful and brilliant was that he never no had one... to add any more aspects to his yeah, game. Yeah, because no one wanted to try him before. Yeah, like, no one um, wanted to go near him before. Exactly. Whereas now, I think, even in the Crystal Palace game, the penalty that was given, because he's now got more of an aggressive nature to his game, previously he'd probably be in a slightly better position and deal with that situation slightly better. Um, I think now because he's a little bit more reliant on his athleticism, um, he has a few of those moments, which is only normal. Like I think because he was so good, people are like, yeah, yeah, he's now the second best defender in the league. He's the best defender in the league and by quite some distance. Um, but because we're always comparing to like the peak version of him, I don't think people can go, oh yeah, he's he's still a wonderful, brilliant defender. Like the year you mentioned after his ACL, people said he was crap. And I was like, he's still like better than most defenders in the league. He's just not that Van Dyke that you're used to. 
Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's that's what I was going to say because I feel like it was too unrealistic to judge him on 18-19 just because it felt like there was a force field around him the whole time. Like, there was a radius of space around Van Dyke from that season where an attacker wouldn't even want to step into that sort of area. Whereas now, I feel like the only reason why I'm saying it looks like he... Not okay, not surpass his peak, but he's added things onto his game is because there are just certain things where he wasn't even being challenged on before. And people, there were question marks on his game. There were people that were saying, I don't think he has that, like, he has that rough defender in him where he can make a challenge. He's too scared to make a challenge. And I feel like he's pretty. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast. And this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. all of those points wrong now so you may have noticed that um we've broken off from the previous conversations because davina had a wi-fi problem but Sorry. she addressed it by saying i need to wire my laptop hardwire hardwire <laughs> <Yeah>. my laptop <laughs> right how many cars have you broken into because that is not a laptop <laughs> laptop conversation or even a laptop statement i need to hardwire the car is what i've definitely heard um anyway um Davina let's hear your uh, agenda take whatever you want to call it okay and bearing in mind we have two Liverpool fans on the call um don't hate me I think oh I don't even think it's that much of an unpopular opinion I'm just doing PR for Kevin Son because I think he doesn't get enough of it so I think Son has been on the level of Salah this season and I think his playmaking has been underrated we all know how lethal he's been. He's got the second most big chances created in the league, second most non-penalty goals in the league, second most big chances created despite playing the majority of games as our number nine. Like that's Harry Kane level of unreal. So, what so, do you think? L- let me just let me just stop you there. Right, you said second most big chances created in the league. Do you want to just remind us of who's got the most big chances created in the league? <laughs> No, 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 but there's no, no. I know you're saying on the level, but there's quite literally levels to this. That I'm pretty sure if Salah had um, at least a a lot of his big chances created, like end up in goals, which obviously lands with Nunes, it's a whole different topic. This guy would be on double digit assists by now, like very, very easily. We're talking like 11, 12 assists by now. He would be going for that record. That's that's number one. But creatively, they're nowhere near. Right, in my in my opinion, what Salah creates for our team, him and Trent is our only um, it's our only like way of scoring goals. Scoring goals is a different is a different one one where I actually agree with you with you to an extent that I think mm. Son this season as a goal scorer, especially because I questioned him, I thought without Madison it would slow down a lot, and he's proven me wrong. I'm happy to put my hands up and admit that. But mm. uh, yeah, and I agree because Salah's goals this season, as much as I love the guy, they have come from penalties or like just I don't want to call them tap-ins because tap-ins is such a weird term to use because it's all about positioning but mm. when you look at Son's like value of goals and obviously in my opinion the best finisher in the league and like particular perhaps we're looking at one of the best finishers we've ever seen in the league uh so when it comes to goal scoring I'll say yeah they're on par but then as an overall player uh, I think Salah's like just a level above Son right now. How big I is do that? See where you're coming How from. big is that gap though? That because gap, I don't think it's as big as some people think it is. That that gap is the gap between world class and the best in the world is the way I see it. Okay. We're looking at Salah as someone who is potentially one of the best players in the world right now. You put him up there with Harry Kane, Bellingham, 
that sort of level of like ability and what we've seen so far uh, of the season. Whereas Son, we're looking at someone of let's let's say um, like like a Madison season where like they're both world class. They're having world class seasons. Even Saka, for example, mm-hmm. we're, we're looking at that sort of level. That that's the gap I'm I'm seeing. Okay. Mm. Me, doing a lot of, yeah, uh, I'm. I'm just. Beard, beard yeah, what, touching because. Saying? Yeah, so those are. It's tough. I I think I'll have to lean. It's a good point. I think I'd have to go with Ishan here. That I I think there there are levels to it. Whereas like, for me, Salah is someone that when Hazard was at Chelsea, I didn't really appreciate him enough because I'm always thinking every week like I want him to do bad and I want my guy to do well so it looks good on you know. On Twitter for the narrative, right? You hate watching. When, yeah, pretty much. When Hazard left and you know became fat and whatever, um, uh, you know I love him. It's my guy. I've got posters of him everywhere. It's my guy. Um, I started looking at Salah more, uh, like not by, in, in an unbiased lens, and I do think what you said about his creative stats is very true, and it's a very underrated part of his game. That because he may not be the most aesthetic dribbler or, or, or passer that people don't look at how well he creates chances for this team. And it's like you said with Nunez that um, if there wasn't Nunez, if it was an actual finisher, he'd be on like 11, 12 assists. Yeah, if, if there was no Nunez and if we had someone who was like a bit more competent at scoring the chances yeah. are easy, we would be looking at this Salah season as like one of the best individual seasons we've seen in a very long time since probably well, last season Harlan. Yeah. But like we're looking at that level of a season because he would quite literally be on double digits assists and goals by now. So the thing is, yeah, I really like Son as well. As, I really like Son as well as a player. It's just so your original point, Davina, was that he's having a better season or as no, good a- he's on par. On par, okay. And I just said this season, I didn't say overall longevity yeah. across their entire careers. I said this season, what we've seen so far. This season, I, I would still give the edge to Salah, but I think it is very close. Mm. Um, I think what Ishan said about like best in the world versus world class is a really good point. Whereas like Salah at his best is unplayable. Any defense in the world, any left back he comes up across, um, unplayable. Son obviously can reach those levels as well, and he has done at points this season. Um, but I, it's just like there's levels to this, you know. Like Salah is I mean, that I'm guy. A question. So you, so obviously you want to say they're like on par right now, right? Mm-hmm. I'm guessing you would say Salah is the best player in the league currently this season. Yes. So does that mean you also think Son is the best player in the league currently this season? Because they, say, they should be I'd on say, par, right? I'd say quite close. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. And would you say he was better than Madison when Madison was fit? Because I don't think he was the best player in your team when Madison was fit. So that that's where the discrepancy lies. Where I'm thinking... But I think since Madison's... I, like, Son's role has changed a lot, like, throughout the season. Like, he didn't start the season without, like, number nine and then took on that role. Now he's been pushed. Even like today, he got pushed out onto the wing. So, yeah, you're. Why are you making me second See, guess myself? I, I think. Gosh. The moment you said second, yeah. Uh, chances created, my mind straight away went, but there's a guy who's first, and there's a reason he's first. Like, I do agree with, some, with what Samit said there that, like, Son is still having an outstanding season. Mm-hmm. And I do think Son is very underappreciated on the whole in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Ishan, I think, hit the nail on the head. I think he is the best finisher I've ever seen in the Premier League. Obviously, in the time that I've watched the Premier League, I didn't watch Alan Shearer in his peak before people start going, Alan Shearer is a great striker. <laughs> Maybe he was. <laughs> I think for variation and for Son's quality, unbelievable. And he absolutely dunked on Kieran Trippier today. Um, and if Kieran Trippier's name was Trent, we'd be having a very different conversation today. But I don't want to speak about this one. <laughs> um, I think um, I think Salah this season, performance-wise, actually has been his performances have fluctuated, but his genuine box quality, uh, not only scoring but also providing, is out of this world. And I think we've come to a point, and I love the fact that actually Sean said something about tap-ins, and all of us collectively agreed. I think we've come to a point where people are going. 
yeah, but G, like goals and assists, what else does he do? Brother, there's only one thing you have to do in football. <laughs> score goals. <laughs> and and goals if my man's games, doing man. it, I don't, I don't mind that he doesn't have a big bunder. And I don't mind <laughs> that he doesn't dribble past 18 players and put Francis Coquelin on his backside. I'm quite happy yeah, I, with what... I feel like that was a shot at my guy. I feel like that was... <laughs> <laughs> no, but you, you hit the nail on the head, though, because at the end of the day, goals win you games, right? And that, that is the last point I want to add on, on this whole Salasson debate is... Um, Mbade, you were saying that his performances fluctuate. Obviously, we've seen bad games of Salah this season. We've seen good games of um, Salah this season. But no matter what Salah that comes to the pitch on the day, I have no doubt in my mind. And within 90 minutes, he is going to create a goal-scoring opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think his passing, people want to say, yeah, he's evolved this game and he's become um, a bit more of a playmaker this season. But I think we've seen it in for the past few years now where this guy is clearly, like I'm, I'm talking one of the best passes in the league, like top three passes in the league. Because it's not just simple assists this guy is making. Like even um even the assist that got ruled out against Tottenham, the one for Diaz, um and the one that was I think a bit offside for um for Diaz in the first first game of the season against Chelsea. These these sort of passes and the vision this guy has is like unbelievable. The way he will bend his pass around the entire defensive line to find whoever's on the end of it, and he loves doing like the um the reverse passes to Nunes. He has way too much in his locker that will create a goal. That is just, it's unbelievable. He is a game winner. So, Ishan, do you do you agree with what I said that, because for me, as somebody who's not a Liverpool fan, I feel like that's something he's developed the last like two and a half, three years. Do you agree with that? Or do you he, think he's, he's always had it? it? But I feel like everyone was under the assumption that because he was scoring so many goals, he never had it in his locker. But when you actually go back and you look at the assists this guy was making, um, it was like even I remember last season. It was a really nice one, and it it resembled the one Mane did for him against United, and he did it for Gakpo. I think it was in the Newcastle game. Uh, those sort of passes, your average forward is never making, like never. Like there there are certain passes in this game that I've seen him have forever now, where like the Travella um Travella pass where it'll go it'll bend all the way around um the defensive line. These are passes I've seen for a while. It's just this season it's been amplified because. He's taken a step back from the goal scoring um, Salah that we've seen, even though he's still on loads of goals this season. But it, it's very clear he's trying to provide a lot more for the team now. I think also, creatively speaking, they're both very different. Like Salah can create from deep areas. When I say deep, I don't mean like as a midfielder, but I mean from like a wide, deep area. Whereas Son, in particular, the Newcastle game, uh, the double step over to get past Kieran Trippier, mm-hmm. that's like vintage Son. That's like the Son move that nobody can stop, even though he's not electric. Um, you won't really see Salah create like that. Salah's not getting to the byline and putting it into the box. Uh, and if he does get to the byline, uh, hand on heart, Salah's going to shoot 90, 90 yeah. times out of 10. Whereas Son will not. Son is a little, maybe a little bit more of a provider in that sense because he plays as a winger and definitely came to the league as a winger and has become an inside forward. Mm. Whereas Salah came to the league as a winger, but I think converted into essentially a forward and now he is a forward. Um but I think it's closer than maybe what most people would like. If we put, if we title this video or this episode, sorry, Son is on par with Salah this season, people would hit the roof because they would not agree whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But with all the context attached, um, I think it's closer than maybe what most people would say, but still not close enough for me to be like, hey, this is this is well worth a conversation. I just I just wish I could put one of my guys forward, but I, I can't put anyone in that conversation. <laughs> um, very quickly, uh, I want to talk about uh, Reese James. Um, mm. There was many other things on the agenda, but I want to finish this episode on Reese James. Uh, Samit, you're the Chelsea fan, so I want to I want to give you the floor, and then just let's just have a nice friendly discussion about our neighbourhood hero, Reese James. Well, I, I mean, in what context? What do you want to know? Because I feel like I, I don't. I think we'll agree on more things than you think. But let's see. Sean, go on. Okay. You said you had some. Yeah, yeah. I want to get a lot off my, a lot off my chest right now. I want to ask you a question firstly. I think criticism on Reese James is quite harsh in one sense. It's because people like to um, say, because uh, people want to pin it on his injuries that he is no longer good enough. I feel like there's, they're missing a point here. I don't think, the way people talk about Reese James, obviously, let's just, let's not beat around the bush. They always want to compare him to Trent, right? It's always Trent, Reese James, Trent, Reese James, who's better out of the two. And when Reese James is fit, he's so clear of Trent. That's the problem I have 
uh, injuries are a whole different issue, right? There are multiple players in the world that are amazing, world-class, but are injury-prone. For example, we've got Thiago for our team. In my opinion, Thiago is one of the best midfielders in the league on his day when he's not injured, but unfortunately he's injured. With Rhys James, though, this season, when he's been fit, do you think it's been um, even... It's been a topic to even discuss that he's been on the level of what we've seen Trent this season when Rhys no. James has been fit? Mm-mm. Not okay. even close. Good. This is Good. That's not... My my thing with Reese is like Chelsea fans do this a lot. That we love talking as a fan base, and it's like we are not in a position, guys, to talk right now. Like let's just move in silence for a little bit. But our thing is, I will say about about the Trent Reese thing. I think Trent is better. I take offense to when people say like it's not a conversation because if when they are fit, I think it this season aside has been very bad. Like go back to the twenty one twenty two season. I thought Trent was better that year. But people were like, it's not a conversation. Reese is like levels below. Like they were putting him near like Wambasaka and stuff. I was like, guys, like you're being disingenuous. There's a conversation here. I'm about to offend you here. I don't think there's a conversation to be had here. I think, I think, (sighs) no, no. The thing is, I'm not going to say Reese James is bad. Reese James is quality. He's nowhere near the Wambasaka level. That's disrespectful. He's better than Wambasaka, clearly. But what Trent gives you is quite genuinely like it's generational. We're talking. This guy wins you games and not just at your average game we're talking semi-finals of champions leagues we're talking um against arsenal the league leaders we're talking about man city the champions um not too long ago these are big games where he's constantly constantly performing and don't get me wrong reese james has performed obviously also in big games but i think the the caveat people have that try and make it a close argument is they're like oh but reese james is so much better defensively than trent it's a myth it's a myth. No. Trent Trent is not bad at defending. He's just very lazy when it comes to defending. Yes, he, that, the ability that's... to defend is there. It's very clearly there. It's just whether or not he wants to do it on the day is the right. Issue I you are Trent. you're a hundred percent right there. But that is not something I can gloss over to say like, oh, he's just lazy sometimes. But like if we're that's your job. Ability, but if we're talking about ability here, we're not talking. But that's about... part of it. That's part of it okay, to, be yeah, if, if, if to be switched on. To be switched on ninety also minutes. Bring in injuries, no? Yes, is... we have to bring in injuries. Availability is the best ability. You have to bring in injuries. So, so you have if to. you bring into account injuries, and then you bring into account their ability and what they can do on their day, does it not heavily stack in Trent's favor just because Reese James is getting you ten games a season? Whereas, okay, I would not say heavily. I would say it's in Trent's favor because. Trent is never in. I mean, I don't think I don't know his injury record. I just never seems injured to me, right? Like he's pretty much always fit. Yeah. Um, and what he gives you going forward, like you said, is a genuine match winner from fullback. Probably, I don't know, extreme like ever happened in football, like Roberto Carlos, Danny Alves, that type of thing, right? Very, very rare from from fullback to be a match winner. But I just I can't gloss over the fact that what you said, like he is lazy at times defending, like because he he was correct me if I'm wrong, a midfielder in the academy, no. He played yeah. in midfield, right? So he was a midfielder in the academy, but also, if we're going to base this off, let's say we're basing it off this season, the the sample size we've had this season, he hasn't really looked that lazy to me defending this season. I, I think this season, you've seen less of like what you like what you said is right. I agree with that, that you've seen less of like the laziness of Trent like sort of creep through. But in my head, I still have memories and maybe it's just a narrative thing and people have talked about it, which is why it's in my head. But I'm thinking back to when you guys played at Napoli last year and Trent's just standing there. And I'm like, Reese has been cooked before. People have put him on, like Garnacho just did that at Old Trafford. People have done it. But I've never seen Reese just stand there while his team's tracking back, running and defending. And as a defender, I think Trent is not a bad defender at all. In fact, he's a pretty decent defender. He's a good defender. It's just he has that that stigma with him that people don't let go because of whatever reason that they say he can't defend. I think that's those takes are just you're not watching the games, you know, if if you think Trent can't defend. I just think over 90 minutes if you ask me, I want somebody to manmark Vinicius. I would take Reese over Trent. But Trent is the better player for me. Yeah, Reese to me is a very like I can't defend you if you're not playing. Like I can't say anything in your favor. You're making it hard especially as a captain, the club captain, to be given the armband and to just not play every week. Like today, he got subbed off early. It's like, did you know going into the game your hamstring was tight? And if it was, isn't that something you should say to the coaches beforehand so you don't waste a substitute? Do you think, do you think giving him the captain's armband was a good idea? Because I think that's played to why he's been injured so much this season as well. Is because 
he's a captain and he feels a responsibility for the team now, he might just be rushing himself back to games now because he feels a sense of responsibility. He feels like he can drag the team forward as well. This comes to a really similar point that uh, we spoke about before, Davina, about Harry Kane and that Champions League final. Mm-hmm. Remember we had that conversation where we were saying, there comes a point where as a skipper, like you feel a sense of responsibility to always be available. Yeah. To me, you hit the nail on the head, by the way. Availability is the best. It has to be. It has to be. Well, have you have you guys heard of, you guys know what the Ewing theory is? Have yeah. you guys heard of that? That's exactly yeah, that's what we were discussing. Yeah. yeah. So there was so in the NBA there was a player named Patrick Ewing. He played for the the Knicks, and there was a writer, uh, a popular like basketball writer at the time. His name was Bill Simmons. He came up with this theory called the Ewing after the guy's last name theory, where if the best player or the captain of a team doesn't play, the team actually plays better without him because when the captain plays, he takes on so much responsibility that everything is gravitated towards him, and the team plays worse. Whereas when he's not in the team, the team plays better. And some examples of that are like when Portugal won the Euros, right? When Ronaldo got subbed off. It's because like their captain, their talisman is off. But now everyone else feels the responsibility of like, our talisman is gone, let's step up, right? And it's like when Hazard left Chelsea, everyone was like, oh, we're done. But we finished fourth the year after and then we won the Champions League. And like Spurs were in that 18-19 season when Kane wasn't fit. They were playing really well. Mm. And Kane well, we, you guys, we made the final without him, no? If I'm, yeah, but he didn't play in that. Yeah, but the actual quality though. of football that we were playing yeah. in, in the Premier League. Okay, yeah, maybe that's hold my hands up there. Hey, bro, but in the Champions League, you were doing bits. Yeah, right, you were doing bits. Honestly, yeah, we sold our souls for that Champions League. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen, game's the game, bro. Um, <laughs> very quickly, back to Reese James. Um, not in a comparison point to Trent. What what do you actually do in this situation with Bruce James? I think, again, this is sort of like, it, it touches on the captain point that Ishan made, where it's like, do I think he should have even been given the armband? It's like, he is so, everyone knows how talented he is when he plays. Everyone can see that, you know? But if you're, if you're going to play, okay, since we lifted the Champions League trophy in Porto in 2021, he's missed 70 games of football. 70 games. He's missed. And that is not counting games like today where like he was subbed off because he started and he got subbed off because he was hurt, right? That doesn't count games like that. If you count that, it's probably like 77, 76, somewhere around that. So that type of that that many minutes is hard for me to look to look at you and say, You're one of the best fullbacks in the world. You should be our club captain. You should get two hundred and fifty thousand pounds a week. And I maybe Chelsea fans will get mad at me for saying this, but it's like I expect more from our club captain. When JT was our captain. I expected more from him. When Aspie was our captain, I expected more from him. If you're going to wear the armband, I just expect more from you. I can't... And I don't even know if it's just he's really unlucky or it's like a diet thing or it's like, you know, he's lifting too many weights or like whatever they're doing in the gym. I don't know. What to do is the million-dollar question. You know, I wish I had more information on the ins and outs of Cobham and how that, you know, whole training regime and fitness regime works. But it's like hamstring... Everyone knows muscle injuries are like... You get one, and then the rest of your career is just always sort of in the background. You know, do we sit him out until the new year? Because if we do that, Malagusto can't play either because he's also hurt. Are we going to go into 2024 with Caicedo or Desasi as a right back? It's like, this is the position. Hey, at this point, brother, you may as well switch Caicedo to right back. <laughs> 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 what, what I think you could do about it. The reason yeah, why I asked if, if it was good to make him captain is because I feel like moving forward, he might... So I compared him to Thiago, obviously different worlds of ability, but I think you need to start using him in that sort of realm that we are planning to use Thiago in now. Um, I think you are right. We're probably just going to have to deal with it. Just take it on the chin and then manage his minutes like you guys do with Thiago, where it's like, you know, sub him off 60 minutes, 55 minutes, save him for City, Arsenal, Liverpool, those big games. And it's unfortunate because, you know, he was the guy I looked at when he was... I was following him since he was like 16, 17. People started talking about him like, oh, this guy, Reese James in the academy. I don't know if you've seen him. You know, he's that level of player. And it's just really unfortunate how things have worked out. But I don't know. If I had the answers to that question, I'd be 
get getting paid. You'd, you'd be Todd Monk. Yeah, I wouldn't be here. Let's put it that way. So, <laughs> um, one very quick point on uh, Reese James and Tiago's fitness. Tiago's thirty two and Reese James is twenty four. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we're managing Tiago like a, <laughs> I like he is of that age. Um, although it's funny that we're saying he plays fifty five, sixty. I have not played. I'm not seeing Tiago play more than five for about a good year now. <laughs> um, right, guys, I've got a head. I've got a very upset baby upstairs that I need to go take care of. Um, absolute pleasure speaking to all of you. We were going to talk about Enzo Fernandez. We were also going to talk about Sean Dyche. I didn't at any point, at any point this season, think we'd talk about them two in the same episode. But we are going to. But it won't be this one. We're going to save it for next time. Guys, thank you very much for tuning in. If you've been listening on Spotify or any other podcast platform, uh, check out Davina, uh, Ishan, and also Sami on socials. Uh, and go and follow us at No Ratings Pod. And we'll see you next time. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.